Good morning. It is the end of June and the 1st of July. And um, you're used to hearing Philip, but it is Caroline. And I have a special guest with me today. Um, Philip is traveling, so he was unable to record this week. I know that at the end of last week, we told y'all that we were going to cover the Penelope Inks case, and we are going to do that, but that will air next week. This week, my special guest is none other than Taylor Hecker. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. Taylor is um, our newest employee here. She's been here for a year. Mm-hmm. And um, she is, she was hired on actually as our secretary slash admin um, for or lead admin for Philip. Um, now she kind of admins all of our schedules <laughs> in this <Yeah>. office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, anyway, she has a big background with children um, from when she you know, younger adult years. And, um, she also has worked in the corporate world for about five years now, um, before she came and, um, hired onto our team. Yes. So, and so not only does she do our administration work, um, secretarial work slash all of our, I don't know, all the behind the scenes research, all of that. But she's also a trained child custody supervisor and she is part of the SBN family. Um, So I'm super excited to have somebody that I can rely on (laughs) for all the supervisions we now do. Mm -hmm. Which is my favorite part. It actually is. I love doing supervisions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The kids love you. So that's like a, that's, that's such a good aspect to have. I've had supervisors in the past where the kids are just like, no, don't Mm -hmm. come around me. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, you know, finding good supervisors that work well with the families and can do the job is a huge plus. But so before we get to what we're going to talk about today, I think it would be remiss of me not to, um, discuss or acknowledge that when this airs is going to be Friday, July 2nd. So you're listening today and it is the day that, um, Ember Graham went missing. I know that our two previous episodes have been covered over her and her case. Um, I appreciate the feedback. Um, it's been great feedback. It's been, uh, some tips have trickled in, which since we started this podcast, we have noticed that after we cover an episode, either Taylor or myself will get, um, tips called in. So many tips. Yeah. Which is like, amazing. It's, it's coming in pretty thick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with Ember's case, it's only been aired, you know, for roughly two weeks now from the first episode and then the second episode, only one week, but we're already getting, um, tips. So thank you to all of the ones that listen to our podcast and um, get our version of the investigation. I know people put things out in the public. We've already addressed all that, so I'm not going to spend any time on it. But I think it's been extremely insightful and helpful to people to hear how we took the case and our side of the investigation. Because what's what's the famous saying? Philip always says there's their side, there's our side. And then somewhere in the middle is the truth. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we do a really good job to 
be accurate and maintain that accuracy for our listeners and for the people that follow us. So with that being said, today's episode, we are going to um, cover parental alienation syndrome, also known as PAS. Um, There's a big to do, I guess you could say out there in the world, um, in the psychological world, where some believe that that's not a real thing. And then some believe that it is. So we're going to clarify some of that for you today. And we're going to go over PAS and how we see it pretty much on a daily slash weekly basis here in our office. Mm -hmm. Um, It's incorporated in the missing children world. And it also is incorporated in child custody cases. And we see it sometimes here in our office for supervision cases. So I feel like um, it's just a really good topic to educate the public, um, educate our listeners and go from there. And then we are going to um, talk about child custody supervisions. It's a newer, I say new. We've been doing it for six years here at Klein Investigations, Um, but we are expanding and taking things in a direction that um, I think is going to be super beneficial for Southeast Texas. Yes, definitely. So there's not a lot of options around here. No, not at all. Not at all. So PAS, as I referred to it, it's Parental Alienation Syndrome. And parental alienation, blah, 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 excuse me. <laughs> I am, it is, I feel like a Monday, but it's, a, it's the Mondayest Tuesday ever. Yes, I can agree. <laughs> okay, so the parental alienation syndrome is a deliberate attempt by one parent and or it could be a guardian or a significant other, whoever is raising um, a child to distance his or her children from the other parent or guardian in doing so. The parent engages the child in a process of destroying the affectional ties and familial bonds that once existed. So Taylor, tell me, what do you take away from that? Don't ask me that question. I know it's a hard one. It is. It's a super hard one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can only sit here and think like parental alienation. Oh my God. Why can I say it today? Mm-hmm. Parental alienation syndrome, I'm just going to say PAS. So if you hear me say PAS, that's what I mean. Um, I see it a lot. And even when we have new clients or intake clients, um, whether they hire us or whether they don't, and they come in for like a child custody case, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times I'll have a parent come sit here and talk to me and they're like, no, they tell him that they you know, I'm trying to think of a, of, of a great example. I mean, I have a ton of examples, but to make it very clear, um, it's when a parent sits there and tries to feed the child with um, instances that occurred with a twist, like with, with their view on it to where they're instilling circumstances or things of that nature into the child where they are starting to resent the other parent or the other guardian, or, you know, it could be a grandparent. It could be um, just a guard, even a foster family, a foster parent. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that um, uh, PIS touches on. And um, I think it's important that 
listeners and families that are in split family homes Mm -hmm. are aware of what it is because it happens and it happens when they don't even know that it happens. I was about to say, I mean, it is very easy because I'm a single mom and, but me and her father, we get along. So that's perfectly fine, but it is still easy if we're fighting. Um, you know, I think the worst of him at that moment. And I can easily say like, oh my gosh, why is he being like this? He's so stupid, blah, blah, blah. I have to be very careful that my child is not near because I don't want her to see her father in that light at all. Right. Just because he's not in my life doesn't mean he shouldn't be in his daughter's, you know? But that's a very healthy way to look at it because Mm -hmm. a lot of parents are vindictive and they don't like in their minds, they're like, Oh, he did this to me or he did that to me. Or, you know, whether it's abuse, whether it's cheating, whether it's, um, you know, just, well, those are the two biggest ones, honestly. Mm -hmm. So whether it's one of those or something else, it's, it says a lot about you to be able to stand there in that moment and say, okay, I can't do this in front of my daughter. Yes. Um, and well, cause most of the time, I don't think people actually realize like you need to put your child first, your feelings come second, right? Like you need to make sure that your child has a great childhood and their parents get along. Mm-hmm. That's, that should be the main thing. And I think playing off of that though, is that a lot of people will come into our office and be like, but I don't think it's in the child's best interest to be around the father. True. Or to be around the mother. I mean, it's different circumstances, though. I mean, it all depends on what that parent did. I mean, in your eyes, it could be a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. But when we see it, we're like, okay, well, I think they're working through that. Right. And it shows that they're here taking the step to see their child. Exactly. And they're working through their issues. I mean, you have to look at it like, is it, should your child be in that, in their life or... Or should are, they not? Yeah. Are you just like mad at that person because they made a mistake? Right. And that's, I mean, everybody makes mistakes. So mm-hmm. that's where you really have to, you know, some parents just aren't, right. they don't have the, what I'm sure the word I'm trying to think of. They don't, they're not like you. They don't have the mental capacity maybe to sit there and be able to distinguish what's best for their child or not. they just want that vindictive attitude or whatever um, to the other parent. Yeah. So PAS has um, several red flags that exist. Um, Now these, these are all, if, if you experience these all in a combination, then it's very likely that PAS is um, a part of your situation. Um, Now, not each of these or all of these means that that's what you're going through or that that is, a part of your situation, but I would like to go over these red flags um, in detail so that we kind of are educating the public on just what to look for, honestly. So um, the first one is when the other, when one party will limit, seize, or sabotage all contact, meaning they will not allow them to make phone calls. Um, or like, you know, now it's such a tech world. Mm -hmm. So FaceTime and Zooms and Snapchat and things of that nature. Um, Not either not allowing it at all or allowing it, but then while they're on the call, sabotaging what goes on or like, oh, dinner's ready all of a sudden a minute in and nope, hang up the phone, that type thing. 
Um, number two, will not inform you of school events and extracurricular activities. Now, this one is kind of tricky because if you have a court order, let's say you are in a child custody battle or you do have sole custody of your child or things of that nature, your court order is going to dictate what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. Um, but if it's just a standard court order or standard expanded and you both have equal rights as far as the schooling goes and the records and the medical stuff, then whenever you have a parent that still tries to manipulate the sports or award ceremonies or whatever the case is, then more than likely PAS is involved. Third, withholding health concerns. I have such a problem with this oh one. My gosh, yes. It's like a real issue for me. <laughs> yeah, I see it all the time. And it, frankly, it pisses me off. Um, whole- yeah. I would, if I was on the other end of that and I didn't know what was happening with my child. <laughs> yeah. I would come unglued. Yeah. I've had um, families that have come in here for child custody supervisions, which we're going to get into detail about. But I had a parent, I don't know, it's probably been maybe almost two years ago now that came to a visit and he was visiting with um, two children and the child showed up with like a giant gash in his head. And it looked like he had been, I mean, well, I knew he had, but obviously that's a slippery slope and being able to um, tell the other parent that's in a, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Not even going to go there yet. Yeah. So this parent um, asked what happened and the child was like, oh, I had a really bad accident at school. And the parent was trying to continually try to get like details. Like, what are you talking about? Nobody notified me from school. Well, when, at what point does it become the school's fault for Mm -hmm. not notifying both parents if they have a copy of the court order? Right. And I think that that's a very common question that I get a lot from parents, whether um, it's like I've done reunifications, I've done welfare checks, things of that nature for um, people in our area. And um, that's one of the common questions is I don't understand how the school doesn't have a duty to notify both parents and then it's like if the school doesn't do it then the parent it's their responsibility right right but what if the parent doesn't they're not in contact with the other party so it kind of falls back Back to the school school. exactly yeah or the the lawyers shouldn't know i mean they actually they should They should know if their parents are not in contact with each other. Well, they should if they knew anything. But that's part of that's the parents' responsibility to rely that message to them. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So there's a lot of different, you know, pieces to that puzzle, I guess you can say. Yeah. Okay. Next, um, another red flag would be disparaging you or any of your family members in front of the children or child, child, children. Um, God, I see this happen a lot. Mm -hmm. I see this happen just in public 
Like I've been in public when I see, and granted, I know, obviously know nothing about, you know, the background history of people right. you see in public for the most part, unless you know them. But I see where it's like, what? I mean, I've had parents tell their their child, "Well, your grandmother wants nothing to do with you," mm. and it's just mm-hmm. like. While that might be true, I don't feel that it betters your situation or betters your child's life to fill your child with things of that nature. Yeah. But I also feel like there's a point in time and place to be open and direct with your child. Mm -hmm. Under the age of four is not that. Really under the age of eight, in my opinion. Um, I think back to my oldest and he's just now, he's super smart, but he is figuring out family dynamics. Mm-hmm. And so he's just now starting to ask questions about family members that really aren't in his life, mm-hmm. but he knows are his family. Yeah. And so having to navigate that is super tough. It is. Um, my child, her name's Mia. She will, you know, ask me questions about like some of her grandparents that aren't in her life and I tell her like, Hey, I, you know, growing up, I didn't have this relationship with my mother and that's why. So I do have like a healthy boundary with her with that, but I would never in a million years say, well, your grandmother just chooses not to be in your life. Yeah. No, never. Like you don't do that. Mm -mm. I'm not trying to send her to therapy early. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Okay. Another uh, another big red flag is when a family member hides gifts um, or mail from you uh, that comes from other family members. Like, so, I mean, I'm just going to throw out an instance. Let's say it's Christmas and you have um, a distant cousin or a distant aunt or uncle that sends a gift, right? But they don't even know, your child doesn't even know who this person is. Or anything of that nature. That is still a, po- a form of PAS. It doesn't have to be between two parents. It's just family, parental, uh, uh, gar- uh, why? oh my goodness, I'm stuttering today. A guardian um, or a parent, grandparent. So honestly, it, it, it is an array of family members. Mm-hmm. It can be. Um, we see it most common between parents that are um, divorced or separated yeah. or whatever the case is. So, and then lastly, um, and this one, oh, this one just really irks me. Um, when a parent will play themselves as a hero and then plays the other parent as the villain. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. it I happens. See, I see it. I mean, doing supervisions. Oh, yeah. I mean, good God. Yeah. When a lot of parents that will sit there and say, well, I didn't do this or I only reacted to this person doing this. Well, that's mm-hmm. where it's back on you to be able to be mature enough to not react. Yeah. Like there are things that do require a reaction. And mm-hmm. then there are things that it's your best interest just to sit down and shut up. Mm-hmm. So being sometimes it's so hard. (laughs) Yeah. So hard. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. And even when we sit here as supervisors and we see it happening in supervisions, it's like, you want to say something and you want to be able to like take that next step to 
intervene almost. Yes, because I think with that is I have relationships with these people now. And I'm, I tell them all the time, I'm not here to judge you. You know, I don't care what you did in your past. Frankly, sometimes I don't even know. And I think like when you build relationships with both parties of the parents, I mean, it's like you feel like you can say something, mm-hmm. but you you can't. Like just, you gotta just shut up mm-hmm. and just let them figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And then report, obviously. Obviously, just yeah. Report, make report, report, report. <laughs> so anyways, I wonder, I mean, I think it would be interesting to get feedback from our listeners on A, if you've experienced PAS or if you already knew what that was. Um, I have spoken to uh, different groups. I've, I've trained different like volunteer groups and things about um, PAS and I have a counseling background. Um, I mean, most of our listeners know that I have a psychology degree and a counseling degree, um, a master's in counseling and development. And all of my studies were geared towards children and family dynamics. Um, And so I think that it's super important to touch on this, that there is a set of people in the counseling world that think that PAS is not a real thing. Like they firmly believe that it does not exist. Yes. (laughs) And it drives me crazy because if you have a background in counseling and development, psychology, even psychiatry, you would know that it is a real thing. And it, I'm, I'm pretty sure, is now a part of the, um, the uh, MMPI, not MMPI. It's a part of the counseling world now that it's recognized is what I'm trying to say. Um, and I was trying to look it up real quick just to be, you know, 100% accurate on this. Um, but I do have a counseling friend that, um, so I'm not a licensed counselor. I chose not to go that route um, for myself because life took me in a different direction. But um, I do have a good friend that is, um, she, I bounce everything off of her and send quite a few people to her. Um, and she recognizes PAS and, you know, we've had multiple conversations about it. And so I know that it is recognized um, in the counseling world. So when somebody tries to tell me that it's not a real thing, I want to be like, you know what? Do your research. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to say that nicely. <laughs> so if you're experiencing PAS, what can you do? There are several different coping techniques that um, you can do with your child. And this is more for the parent that is being alienated um, or for the family members of the parent being alienated. Um, So one of those is just to remain positive. Whenever you're around your child being upbeat, positive, um, being able to have conversations um, about situations, whether it's like a Christmas where the child wants to be with you for Christmas and the other one refuses to work together to allow you to see the child on Christmas. Not saying, I mean, obviously there's healthy boundaries if you have a set schedule and you cannot co-parent you stick to the court order. But if you do have two parents that 
were co-parenting or agree to co-parent and then pull stuff like that. I mean, that is and can be a form of PAS. So just trying to remain positive and, and be forthcoming in that positivity. Repairing comments. This one is kind of tricky. Um, It's a whole, it'd be like a whole nother session in itself (laughs) with um, families to explain. But when you repair comments, you want to make sure that the comments you're stating, um, like if a child comes and says to you, mommy said that you're let's just, I'm just going to come up with an example. Mommy says that you're a bad person and that you did bad things. And that's why you don't live with us anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. That should never happen. Yeah. You don't tell your kids this. <laughs> you just don't. So if a kid comes to you and says that to you, then what you would do as the parent is be able to have a conversation with that child to say, well, maybe daddy didn't make the best decisions or maybe mommy didn't make the best decisions, but we both love you and we're both here for you. You're repairing the comment that is brought to you or that's said, and you're trying to make your child understand in a positive way that goes back to positivity, but also twisting the comment to where you're making a positive repair to it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sometimes I feel like maybe the way I'm, it's coming out no, is it I making totally sense. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> another, um, another good mechanism is to avoid comparisons. I always see that quote, um, comparing yourself to someone is like the thief of your. It's like a oh gosh. Now that I want to say thief it, I can't remember it. Yes, yes, like yeah. thief, thief, thief of joy, Which thief of. I feel like everyone does peace. I do <laughs> all the time. Oh yeah, I mean it's common to compare yourself, right? I mean mm-hmm. it happens at one some given point time, whether in your career, whether with a friend, whether with a family member. I mean, oh lord, yeah. I do it with my siblings all the time. I'm like, but you didn't do this. Well, you're the oldest one. Well. Who right. gives a flying if I'm the oldest one? Right. Um, so in this situation, though, you want to be able to avoid comparisons with the other parent. Mm. So when a child is trying to sit there and maybe compare his life at one home versus his life at the other or things of um, that nature, you want to avoid that. You want to say, well, while mommy's home may be like this and they may do these things at daddy's home, we have rules here that we do this, whether that's, I mean, something as simple as like a chore chart. I mean, really it's, it shouldn't even be talked about in the, in the essence of, well, mommy does it this way and this way is better. Right. Right. Yeah. Or daddy does it that way and that way sucks. Mm -hmm. And that shouldn't be a discussion. Um, All right. Seeking family counseling. Have you ever been to a family counselor? No. No. I've not. I'm trying to think if I have. I know I've been to counseling my whole life. Well, yeah. I mean, there's that, but. But like to sit down with a family counselor to work out family problems. Maybe when I was in school, when I was younger. When you were younger. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't like now in in my adult years with my child. No, but I don't think we've ever been to that point, really. Yeah, where you've had to have it. Yeah. I remember when, I mean, well, obviously anybody that knows me knows my parents divorced when I was very young. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I do remember having like court ordered counseling and things of that nature that was required just 
as um yeah what's the word i'm looking for like just normalcy of having a third party like speak to you yeah yeah. we we did that in school like i went to the school and i think the school provided something like that i don't really yeah i don't really remember but because they divorced when i was like eight yeah so i was pretty young yeah i mean i am super pro counseling whether it's in your school counseling peer counseling whether it's marriage and family therapy counseling whether it's i am pro therapy you know addiction counseling Mm -hmm. it definitely helps um it it helps you in life it helps you develop life skills that i think are extremely important and healthy to instill in our younger um, not younger children, but in children, you know, in their preteen years, their teen years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my son goes to counseling, he's eight and he goes to counseling for various things just on learning coping, learning coping. Oh my gosh. Why can't I speak today? <laughs> Y'all I'm so sorry. It's like a problem. I think I need more caffeine, um, to learn coping mechanisms <laughs> with life. So, um, and then lastly, focus on problem solving strategies, um, really being able to focus on what is going to make the situation better versus making a situation worse. And I think that's really important for parents to, to instill in their child Mm -hmm. is being able to focus on those problems and how to fix them. So that wraps up um, what PAS is, red flags of PAS, coping mechanisms of PAS. We're going to take a quick break and you're going to hear from one of our sponsors and we will be back to discuss all things child custody supervision and the future of supervisions at Klein Investigations. Are you a hot mess like me? always on the go and putting everyone else's needs above your own, then Her Messy Life, a Southern chic boutique, is here to help you. With new arrivals weekly, ranging in sizes from small to 3X, you can spice up your outfits and indulge in some much-needed retail therapy at Her Messy Life. Make sure to use the coupon code CLIN15 for 15% off at hermessylife.com. Shop today and find your new favorite item. We are back to cover all things child custody supervisions, which is like totally our thing. Yes. Totally. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I've had to um, educate Taylor in PAS just so that she can see how supervisions, how it affects the children in supervisions, right? How how it plays a part. Yeah. I'm not an expert in it, but I have seen it multiple times and I've been here what a year yeah and I've already seen it a lot yeah which is sad but you know yeah typically if if a family lands here because of child custody disputes for the most part it's not always the case but for the most part there is some form of PAS already like deeply Mm -hmm. embedded into these children and um, that's not always the case I want to reiterate that because I feel as if we have any families that do listen to this podcast, then I don't want you to think that, it, you know, any particular family, right. it's just, we see so many that come in and out of our office on a weekly basis, whether it's long-term, whether it's short-term, whether it's a day or a 10 minute phone call, it's, mm-hmm. it's, we see it and we see it a lot. But, um, 
So before we get to the child custody part, I just want to go back to a few of um, the cases that we've had for missing persons um, that have had PAS um, involved in these cases. And some we've recovered. Um, there's, you know, I think, well, actually, I think all of them on here we have recovered that I, out of my list, um, except for one, and that would be the Zaharias case, which we're going to have multiple future episodes on. Um, but for instance, Penelope Inks will be covering her case next week. Um, they're in litigation and trying to figure that that whole space out. Um, so when Philip gets back, that's what we'll be covering next week. That one is like the epitome of a parental alienation case. Yeah. Um, I'm talking the worst one I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll be, I, I'm anxious to kind of go over that one from start to end. Um, she has successfully recovered. Um, the Sabrina Allen case, many of our followers know about that case um, that I was directly involved with and that another success story. Um, these are parental abductions and usually parental alienation leads to parental abductions. And I think that that's super important. And that's a episode all on its own about parental abductions. But um and then, of course, the famous DeWalt case, that's what we were able to have. Um, that case kind of began or paved the path to having laws changed here in Texas, um, which we'll get into in the Penelope Inks case as well, um, and what that law is and how we were able to get it passed in Texas to pay the path for future parental abduction cases. Um And then Mary Nunez, that was another one that was a PAS involved. Um, She successfully recovered and back. And then, um, you know, other ones that I've never been able to talk about. I think it's interesting because that's one of the things we hear here, 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 as in (laughs) ears here, here in this office. (laughs) Um, That, oh, you know, y'all don't have any success stories and y'all don't have any of this and you don't have any of that. When in fact, I keep my own log of every child I've been involved with. And, um, my, my fastest turnaround case, which is really interesting. I had that question the other day, Mm -hmm. who, what is the fastest case that you have been able to recover a child? Like the fastest time frame. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, it was 24 hours from start to end 24 hours Um, the parents acted fast and they acted fierce and that child was actually abducted from a child custody supervision center. Oh, right. Yeah. You told me about that. Y'all actually helped, I'm not going to name names, a family member of mine. Oh, Oh. y'all helped find him. Huh? Mm -hmm. How have you never told me that before? Or have we spoken about, No. no, we haven't. No, we haven't. Huh. Okay. Well, you're gonna have to fill me in on that one. Um, So anyways, but, you know, bringing us to child custody supervisions, it's all full circle, missing children or parental abductions, PAS supervisions, they're all these parents don't get to us and have supervised visitations with their children unless they've done something to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where the public needs to understand that you have to help these families and look out for these families. And I don't know. I, I know people will say, well, I mean, I don't have time to help look out for another child or look out for another family, but I kind of think as decent humans, we should all have that. You think. 
I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't understand. Anyway, so that brings us to child custody supervisions here at Klein Investigations. We have been doing this for, or I have been doing this for six years. Um, it's one of our newer services, if you want to call it that. I think it's old at this point. Um, but it's really picking up and taking its a, a turn on its own, honestly, in Southeast Texas. Um, we see, I saw a lot of supervised visitations happening in other like big time cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and here in Southeast Texas, we're small town feel. Yeah. Well, we're getting a lot from Houston. So yes. I mean, I, I mean uh, we've been getting some from, well, obviously Houston, but we've been getting some from Austin, oh, we, yeah, Fort Worth, Fort Worth mm-hmm. Idaho, um, people from uh, Louisiana. I mean, we're getting them from other states as well that, you know, that maybe the supervised parent it travels in for or vice versa, depending on what your court order really depends on who's responsible for what. But with that being said, the biggest question that I get is how child custody supervisions um, start, how they get here, what what brings them here, what do they what what did a parent do in order to in order to have to be supervised with your own child? Um, my answer is it can be an array of things. Mm-hmm. The parent would have to either a have not and and I guess I'll just go over a, a few instances of how children have gotten here. Um, my very first child custody supervision, I'll never forget. It was court ordered um, by one of our local judges. And it was um, for a a father that had been in the child's life for like the first year, if even. And then there were allegations of sexual, um, not assault, but well, I guess it is a form of sexual assault, Um, but sexual tendencies. Um, Nothing that could or was ever confirmed or verified. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the judge ruled, um, and mind you, this is a whole nother level of something I want to discuss, but um, when parents go to court and they do not have a lawyer, it is the worst thing that you can do when it comes to going to court. Please always have an attorney. I'm telling you, get an attorney. Yes. There are plenty of attorneys out there that offer all different pricing. Now, you might not get the best level of care, but you can still afford an attorney that will represent you and get you something more than just you have supervised visits every first, third, and fifth Saturday until the child's 18 years old when the child is one. Mm-hmm. That is 17 years of supervised visits. That's saying. You and, have to pay to see your child. And that brings us to the next thing, um, which kind of just all intertwines. Supervised visitations are not a free service, mm-hmm. not anywhere. Some people try, some volunteer groups try to make it a free service, but it's not. Um, they'll offer them at a super low price or they will offer them, you know, a set price for a a group of um, visits, like a certain amount of visits or something. Um, But anyways, before I go off into that tangent, um, I want to go back to what brings parents here. So it can be something of a sexual nature. It could be alcohol or drugs. It could be for the fact that maybe I've had actually quite a few cases come in from attorneys that 
will say, well, we haven't had, um, like my client hasn't had a um, child or hasn't seen his child in however many years Mm -hmm. Um, just because they never were like the parents were never together or the mom didn't tell the guy that she was pregnant and the guy finds out whatever the case is. So there's a certain amount of years, whether one year, five years where the father's never been in their life. Um, And so oftentimes then child custody supervisions are ordered just to have a third party say, Hey, they're comfortable with each other. They're speaking with each other. They play, they do this, whatever the case is. Right. So to get here, it could be several different things. Now, some parents need this. (laughs) Some parents do need this. We kind of touched on the topic of, you know, they're trying, they're bettering themselves. We, you know, we don't care what they did in their past. Some need it, though. (laughs) Some need to be supervised. Yeah, I will never forget. It was about three years ago and I had this um, father come and he he asked me if he could leave to go pick up food. And this was kind of, I, I, well, maybe it was four years ago. I don't know. Whenever it was, we didn't really have like Grubhub or anything that was mm-hmm. popular. It was more like expensive and not really used. It, it was not near as popular as it is today, right. you know, in a pandemic or whatever you want yeah. to say. But um, I remember going I, I told him, I'm like, okay, that's fine. There's a gas station. Why don't you go grab some drinks? Which we do have drinks, but we didn't have the drinks that they wanted. And um, and and some snacks. That's fine. Which we also have snacks provided here, but they didn't want. So I knew that there was something maybe a little bit more going on to the whole issue rather than just a, I'm, I want to go grab food. Mm-hmm. Well, he leaves. He comes back. And I see him in his car chugging something out of a brown paper sack. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, y'all, I'm not stupid. I mean, I know what chugging something out of a brown paper sack means, okay? Yeah. Well, after the thing, well, so obviously I smelled him for alcohol or tried to smell alcohol, didn't smell any alcohol. So, hey, maybe I was wrong is what I thought. Next thing I know, visits over, he goes out and he throws his can of beer into our parking lot. Mm-hmm. So naturally what I do is I go out there, pick it up, bag it because I can use that in court. I can say he was drinking during his visit mm-hmm. and this is the proof. And obviously we have camera video footage to back up what I was saying. So I don't know. I mean, it's just crazy to me that it, in, in that instance, he needed to be supervised. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was one of the last supervisions he ever had because he's never seen his child since. And we are the only location in his court order for him to have his visits. Sad. So there are instances where yeah. you must be supervised mm-hmm. and it's only in the kid's best interest. So another question that I get all the time from parents comment slash question is I should not have to pay to see my child. That is the most common, most asked or most argued question in this office. Yeah. I mean, I would not want to pay to see my child. You know, I get that, but at the same time, you're, we're not working for free. You know, we do this office hours. I personally do this every weekend as well. 
So it's kind of like, well, why are you here in the to begin with? You know? Yeah. What brought you here? Yeah. And so that as a as a supervisor, this is where we stand, and this is how we look at it. We're not supposed to know. Well, let me backtrack. I'm not going to use the word supposed. We try to strive to not sit here and learn the backgrounds of why people are here because our goal is solely to protect the child Mm -hmm. and to be able to have an environment to foster a relationship between the parent that's being supervised and the children. Right. So I think that that's, and and honestly, that's where I stand in child custody supervisions. I, I have a really hard time because I firmly believe that it should be a licensed practice. I believe that child custody supervisors should be licensed, not only in the state of Texas, but in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not, there are no licensing requirements for such in the state of Texas. I've seen good cases with this and I've seen very, 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 very bad cases with this on a personal level yeah. of being a family member of, um, people that have to be supervised at some given point in time. Um, and a situation out of, um, central Texas right now where, I child custody supervisor canceling services for things that have already been paid for and things that have already been in motion that um, backing one, one side over another and not getting the full facts. That's not what a child custody supervisor does at all. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to be able to really preach and, and, not preach. I mean, I'm preaching, but um, (laughs) educate anybody that's interested in being a child custody supervisor. That's why I have very strict rules and regulations for supervisors here at Clown Investigations. Yeah. I remember my first one. I was so nervous. (laughs) I was so nervous. And it was probably so easy. No, it was not not easy. Oh my God. That um, parent... I'm not going to even begin to name names or genders. That parent did not like me. Remember? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had to sit here and think, wait, what was your Y'all first? Y'all had to check cameras to make sure that that person, yes. I mean, they were saying I was really rude. I was a bitch. I don't know if I can say that. Yep. I mean, Go for it. All kinds of stuff. And I was just like, what are they talking about? I'm not that person. I'm very nice. <laughs> so y'all had to check the cameras to make sure. We did. And that's the best thing. Okay. So let's, that's the best thing about us. I'll just say it. We record everything. We have video footage. We have audio mm-hmm. in, in various aspects of our office. We have Phones recorded. I mean, every phone that comes into this office is recorded. We get that. So when parents try to argue, oh, this supervisor did this or this supervisor did that, and then I can go and pull these things and back up that my supervisors are very highly trained. I mean, wouldn't you say that you, for the most part, are trained in the aspect of how we do things, what I expect? Mm -hmm what's not okay mm-hmm. and what we allow. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, sometimes, you know, I have these questions like, do I, 
did I do this right? Or should I have stepped in on this? And it's like, there's a very fine line because that is their parent. Right. So you don't want to tell them how to parent. Right. At the same time, it's like, well, I am supervising them. And sometimes I think what they're saying or, you know, is might be a little inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's a big, that's why we do reports Mm -hmm. because, you know, sometimes we get parents that feel like they're under a microscope and that they don't feel the need to reprimand their child or discipline their child in whatever way they would have disciplined at home because there's eyes on them. And I feel, and what I foster here with our parents and the children is that however you would discipline at home, you're supposed to discipline here because that's what I am gauging you off. Yes. I sit here and I, I'm not saying we judge because we no. don't, we, we're a judgment free zone, but I will report, okay, your child threw Legos at every single mirror in the room and you did nothing about it. Like mm-hmm. that's not for the betterment of the child. Oh, please. I tell kids out in public, <laughs> they're acting <laughs> like that. You better stop. <laughs> so it's not just supervisions. I mean, I'll tell a child to stop acting bad all day yeah. long. Well, and I just think that it's being able, you know, going back to our role as a supervisor, but then also decent human beings. Like mm-hmm. at what point do you have to step in? And I think that um, I always tell my supervisors that if you have to step in, you need to step in whenever it gets to the point where the child is being harmed or could be harmed. That's when you have to step in. Yes. Um, and then on the flip side of that, I've had once the children leave, I'll ask the parent to stay and have real conversations with them about, look, you, yes, you're here for a reason. And yes, whatever that reason is, I it doesn't mean anything to me at this point. But you do have to be able to step in with your children and discipline them in a way that is, I guess, what uh, required, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, like, I'm not here parent. to yeah. sit here and discipline your child. You're the parent. You discipline. Um, and then, you know, we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. But I think, and let's talk a little bit more about that. I have people that call up here, whether it's attorneys or whether it's the ch- the parent themselves, looking to see what our services are and Um, how we have things laid out and things of that nature. And one of the main things that I get the most praise about from parents that have to be supervised is that we have a environment here that is very much fostered to the relationships versus them coming into a room, sitting in a steel chair, having to sit at a table and, and, do whatever at that table, if that makes sense. Yeah. So why don't you tell them a little bit about how, like when you do supervisions, how they, they're conducted and how the parents are allowed to bring things in and, and have that one-on-one time with their child or children and activities and such. We try to make this environment feel like a home for our parents here. Um, so they pretty much bring uh, everything, <laughs> everything they have <laughs> for that child. Uh, we have like buckets, little contain, not little containers. We have huge containers like, filled with yeah. their whole room, 
which is fine. The kids really enjoy it. And, you know, they miss uh, the stuff that they have at the other parent's house. So it's fun to see them like, oh, my gosh, I remember this. And you still have this. And yeah, it's neat. And um, I can tell like the other parent really enjoys it. We're not just sitting there watching their every move and making them feel uncomfortable. We want them to feel comfortable. So, you know, they have a good time and, you know, they can actually be a parent to that child and feel kind of like they're at home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do have, so here at Klein Investigations, we have two supervision rooms for us to be able to conduct supervisions here in our office. And, um, one room I would say is more of a, it's both rooms are very laid back, but one's more formal, has a couch with TV that you can, um, a train table, writing tables, like little kid tables, things of that nature. And then we have another room that has more of a laid back feel and more of a child, um, I guess smaller child feel where it's more of a playroom. We have tents and pillows and stuffed animals and books and games and things that, um, are catered more towards younger children. I mean, we have supervisions all the way from babies um, up to, I think the oldest one I've had is 16, 15. Um, So, you know, it really, we foster a setting here or an environment here. Um, I really try to focus on hands-on interaction and not a cold, you know, dark, place right like some of these quote supervision centers which really just end up being daycares and so they have tables and chairs and this is where you're gonna sit and this is what you're gonna do and yada 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 and I just don't um I I don't like that I don't think that that is comfortable for children nor is it comfortable for the parent but most importantly for the children right I mean we just what you had a birthday party and then last weekend, we threw a birthday party for one. I mean, yes. we let them show up early and I helped decorate our conference room for them. They brought, you know, a cake and pizza and all the toys for the, the kids. And I mean, it was it was great. Yeah. And I think that's really important to keep everything as normal as possible because this is it's already an intense situation. Yes. yes. And there's already so many nerves and so many things that um, are hard for the parents and the children and us as supervisors too to Mm -hmm. have to sit there in an uncomfortable situation. So when we are able and we do have the means to make everyone feel more comfortable and at home, that's what matters the most. So um, with that, I am excited to share that we are going to be expanding soon um, we already have a wait list. We have a lot of, um, things happening with supervisions, um, anywhere from, so we offer monitored phone calls. We offer supervisions both in-house and out. Um, we testify in court as needed for parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just have a lot of things going. It, it took off better than I ever imagined. Um, and so we have a new supervision vibe, I guess you can say coming out. Um, hopefully we'll be, um, expanding into an actual, um, like more rooms and more, um, times that can be offered or not more times, but more rooms that can be offered at the same time is what I was trying to say. And a lot more activities. I mean, not just like 
with supervisions, but you know, like a weekly thing, maybe we'll have like family yoga or we'll do all like for parenting classes, cake decorating and yeah. just fun things to do with your family rather than just court ordered supervisions too, you know? Right. So we'll be releasing more about all of that as time goes on. Hopefully I'll have everything lined out and ready by the end of the year. But um, we are going to post on our Instagram page what we've narrowed down to two logos. <laughs> we have two logos coming out. Um, we have DBA Klein Investigations. Also, we'll have a branch called Camp Klein Supervisions. And this is going to be um, a new brand where we're going to offer um, the supervision side of the company new and fun things for children, for parents, for families, um, monthly or weekly, um, on top of just your standard custody supervisions. And I think it's important to note that the feedback that we've gotten from a lot of parents has been so great that I hope this new platform will be able to, um, bring an entire, an entirely different look at, the courts, at the family situations, at supervisions, um, what we can do as a whole to help foster these families to have better communication. Um, I know a lot of counselors that think it's a great idea that I've either went to school with or worked with or that I know around town. And um, so I'm really excited to get this up and going next. Yes. And I'm extremely excited to be a part of it. I mean, just us coming up with ideas and even the logos yeah. was it's fun. been fun. Yeah. <laughs> but I love one and she loves one. And so now we're going to bring it to our listeners and the public and our followers and see um, which one y'all like the most. The I, yeah. The logo, obviously <laughs> I am. Um, yeah. Not me or you, because I think we're both lovable. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm a little more. <laughs> You're more of the stern one. I'm like, eh, pretty laid back. <laughs> hey, you have to have a stern one. Oh, I know. Bad cop. Bad cop, good cop. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because in the investigation world, I'm the good cop and Philip's the bad cop. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> funny how the roles reverse there, uh-huh. don't they? <laughs> so anyways, but um, so we'll have a lot of things coming up soon with Camp Klein Supervisions. Um don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Klein Investigations, and you can tell us which one you like best. You can also follow us on Klein, the Klein Files on Facebook, um, where we where we release new episodes, um, and I will maybe even release um, a poll on there too, and have those followers, yeah, tell us what you like best. Okay. So, um, make sure to tune in, um, next week we'll cover Penelope inks. Philip will be back then. And, um, I don't know anything else you can think of that we haven't covered today. No, I think we are good. I will say this has been fun and nerve wracking at the same time. It's um, her first <laughs> podcast. I don't like the sound of my voice, but we're just going to go with it. <laughs> Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. Make sure if you haven't already to subscribe on Apple Podcasts to The Quine Files. And you can also find us on any of your other podcast platforms. If you haven't already, 
please leave a review. Um, We like to read them both good and bad, what we need to um, work on and what we are good at. So um, anyways, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.